you Fresno First family, good morning. Good morning. We got a little bit of echo. Oh, oh.
We're going to uh, sing Blessed Be the Name of the Lord. It's number 116 in your hymnal if you want to turn there. The words will be up on the screen. Let's praise him together. has no, uh, no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. See, here it is when we gather and respond to God's invitation to gather as his people. And when we do so, we do from generation to generation. And just think about this. The, the worship, we all worship the same God as our great-grandparents. And we worship the same God as our great-grandchildren. Because he is the one that crosses all the generations. He is the one that gives life, gives hope, and restores all things. Let's sing.
So it's been a little stormy over the past couple weeks, and uh, those storms have been a blessing, and they've been a curse. Um, in our prayer meeting this past week, Pastor Steve shared a conversation he had about the rain, and 
In paraphrase, it went something like this. Um, We've been praying for rain for three years to end the drought, and now God has given us three years of rain all at once. And we will take it, and that feels about right. And, And we all know how desperately we need the rain and the snowpack, not just in California, but across the United States. And for this, we're thankful for God's provision, as we should be. And, and with the amount of weather, of the intensity, and the ongoing duration uh, that the next wave hits tonight, we're facing challenging circumstances here and across the country, uh, from flooding, tornadoes, down trees, going into to people's homes, people wipe, being wiped or swept away from flash floods, and there's record snow, and, and people are literally freezing to death. And so this morning, for our missions moment, it's, it's time that we call on God and thanking Him for this much-needed rain and weather, as well as to be present with those suffering from the impact of these extreme storms. And also, might we add that God would prompt the best in all of us to open our eyes to those that have been affected and open our hearts to move with compassion to be in service to others for the sake of God's love. And with that, let's pray. Lord, we love you. You are absolute over creation. We thank and we applaud you, Lord, for the rain and the snow and and, and moving to take us out of this drought. This rain gives us hope, Lord, for the much-needed water. And we also call on your name to, to be with those personally and compassionately, realistically affected and, and suffering from the severe weather. Give them peace, Lord, from your presence, especially when they're calling out to you in fear and confusion and hopelessness. Give them hope, Lord, And give them joy in the midst of this unknown. Move their hearts and move the hearts of your people, the church, to see the best in ourselves and see the best in our neighbors and and look for opportunities to, to reveal compassion and service for the sake of your love. And Jesus, we pray this in your name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. So if you'd please stand. Um. May all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, great is our God. See, God can and will if he is sought. So this morning, let us be reminded to seek God, meet God, and rejoice in the splendor of our King. Trembles at his voice, trembles at his voice. 
How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our
when I'm praising, all of a sudden these thoughts come in. It might be the challenging week I had or the, the challenges of, of the storm of the week that is to come. Sometimes it's trouble at home that I brought to bring into God. Sometimes it's trouble within. See, whatever the reason for that distraction, we can find refuge, we can find peace, and we can find stillness under the everlasting arms of God. Amen. We can turn to number 596 if you want to sing out of the hymnal, or the words will be on the uh, screen, leaning on the everlasting arms. When you love someone, you like to do the things that please them. And you think about that in your homes and your families and with friends and so on. And one of the things that pleases God is the, our worship to him, our praise. This morning we've Amen. been pleasing him as we enter in with our hearts. And one of the, one, another way that we can worship him is our tithes and our offerings. And we want to give thanks right now and ask, ask God's blessing on those. So our Heavenly Father, we thank you right now, Lord, for your faithfulness to us. We thank you, Lord, for all those things you do that show us that you, we please you, that you love us. And right now, Father, we want to ask your blessing.
upon the tithes and offerings for this week. And pray, Lord God, that those will be used to bless you in all sorts of ways. Give us wisdom in that, Lord, we ask. Father, we thank you again and we praise your name. In your son's strong name we pray. Greet one another, and that's old school. It's called passing the peace. And so I want everybody right now to say joy to you. All right, say it again. Joy to you. So go up to someone and greet them this morning and say joy to you.
Good morning, everyone. While you all find your, your seats, just a, a very quick announcements. A uh, couple things. Uh, first, the prayer meeting on Tuesday mornings from 9 to 10 uh, a.m. <laughs> um, it's going to be also hybrid. So if you want to phone in, if you're not able to make the prayer meeting, uh, fill out a connection card um, and get connected with Pastor Jason, and um, it'll be a hybrid meeting. So, again, if you want to participate in the prayer meeting... Um, yeah, there's an announcement for that. And then also, um, just excited for what God's going to do this year. You know, it feels like uh, there's been a little bit of lag in the year. I, I, I haven't caught up yet, but uh, I'm excited for what God's going to do uh, in our church this year. So um, I'm going to pray and give it back to Pastor. Uh, Father God, we thank you for this, this day of worship and praise to you. Thank you that we can gather here with our church family, Lord, and just... Come, come before you to, to hear a word from you, to praise your, your great name, and it's most worthy of praise. I love that, Lord. And I just pray for our pastor as he gives us a word from you, as we uh, just give us um, eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart that's just open to what you have for us this morning. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Back on Jordan with that. and. There's a lot of exciting things coming this year, and God is unquestionably moving. Uh, we got a board meeting this week on Tuesday, and I look forward to sharing next week, uh, uh, next Sunday, of all the great things that God has in store here at Fresno First Church and for our community. And, and as we move forward, we do it as one body. That means, um, it, it's a sports term, but it, it applies. We all got skin in the game. And, um, and that means that we don't lose faith, we don't lose hope in the future, and we, un- we, we don't know what God has in store, but we do know who has the future in store. And God will direct our path, He will open up doors, and He's always provided. Amen? Amen. Amen. And uh, just, to re- just kind of a quick note, uh, Kinsley turns eight tomorrow, so... Uh, if you see her, wish her happy birthday. She did me a huge favor this morning, so I told her I would let everybody know. <laughs> so praise God. We're a church family, and that's what we do. And so if anybody wants their birthday celebrated, let me know. We'll make an announcement, and everybody can wish you a happy birthday. Um, you see, Jesus passes his ministry to his church, which is each and every one of us through his spirit that we, his body, would continue his mission as our mission. We adopt that. We don't need to make a new mission. We just continue to do the work that Jesus did in his earthly ministry. And, and by that, the Holy Spirit will, re, will reveal the living God and his salvation to those in which we encounter and, and that we would care for our communities just like Jesus did. And Jesus in his, in his earthly ministry and in his mission, he touched people personally and, and relationally, compassionately, and, it was, and, he, and he did so realistically. Uh, and we're called to do this together, as I said just a moment ago, as one body. Going out together to show others Christ and his mission in action. You know, I, I, I learned this phrase my whole life. Talk is cheap. You know, let your, let your actions speak louder than words. Frank Sansa, Frank, St. Francis of Assisi. Uh, he has a famous quote, if you haven't heard it, and I'm just going to give a paraphrase. And it's, um, reveal Christ in everything you do, and at last resort, use your words. 
See, as we continue to reveal Christ's dwelling presence in our communities, we are led by the Holy Spirit that transforms us. And the more we do Christ's mission, and the more that we interact with others in the name of Jesus, the more we are transformed. And so that God, um, so that all would know the Lord and, and, and they would know Christ's salvation. And this requires that we put our faith in action, which is where we're going this morning. And if you have your Bibles and your apps, uh, can you please turn to James? That's the book of James. It's towards the end, uh, end of the New Testament. And it's uh, chapter 1, and we are going to be in verse 1. Uh, God has a lot to reveal in this opening text. We often just skip over it, so we're going to do a deep dive this morning uh, and discover what it means to be joyful in all of our life's circumstances. And you see, God gives us wisdom in the suffering and the trial that results. The results of our suffering has a purpose, and it's to, to bring joy and maturity into our faith. And, you know, we spoke last week about walking in our faith and how our faith is in that one person. Our faith is founded on that pistis, remember, that foundation of who Christ is and not solely on our experiences and our emotions. In other words, when we are facing anything, anything in life that brings us anxiety or fear or trepidation, when our faith is founded on Christ, he gives us all we need And that results in relief. And in that relief, we learn. We have to learn to have joy. Joy needs to be learned. Joy needs to be practiced. Joy needs to be discovered. And joy needs to be shared. And so if we're going to share joy, I just want you to just get this visual and think about this. If you're going to put some jam on some toast, you can't spread it around without getting just a little bit on yourself. Same with joy. When we begin to share it, we can't help but feel joyful ourselves because it comes to a surrendered heart to God when we endure in our faith and don't give up on God or each other. And during this Faith in Action series, we're going to be unpacking this practical pastoral wisdom found in the book of James. And this is not a series that we're going to rush through because James is such a unique text. And in this series, um, it's... Or, the, um, this letter is, is referred to as a general letter. So it's written to all of God's people that are scattered and displaced in, in this greater region as opposed to addressing an individual community such as Romans and Ephesians or Galatians, um, Thessalonians, like that of the Apostle Paul. And James challenges us in here to strike a balance in our faith that brings about a heart and a life of holiness that is complete, that's whole and in balance in Christ. And this primary challenge that James is going to be addressing us throughout this series is to have faith and works. And so faith is a right teaching and, and works are those right actions. And, and simply put, right teachings are when we're accurately discerning the will of God through his inspired scriptures. Right actions are when our behaviors reveal what is found in scriptures in all areas of life, in all of our relationships. And the issue comes is when we stress one for the sake of others or for the other. Uh, Think of this. Just knowing the right teachings of scriptures will not save us. James is clear that even Satan and demons know the right teachings of God. Uh, doing only the right actions will not save us. We all know very, very good, compassionate, loving people that do all the right actions, but just doing good deeds will not save us. 
Salvation comes by faith in Christ and reveals a transformed life and a right heart before God that comes from right teachings and puts it into action. And James challenges his readers then in the first century and now in 2023 and all the way in between to live a life that knows the teachings of scriptures and is balanced with an outward expression through our behavior. And when we interlink and overlap and and interconnect our teaching with our actions, there's this life of holiness that reveals a profound love of God and others. And and this is where we're going to be going during our Faith uh, Faith in Action series, to reveal a right heart that is transformed in word and deed, word teachings, deed actions, and word and deed that are united, that transforms our hearts. To reveal a God that transforms all hearts through holiness and grace through us. So if you are able, please stand for the reading of God's word, James 1.1. And I want you to really just hear this. I'm not putting it on the screen. James, a servant of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes of the dispersion, greetings. This has been the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I know some of you are thinking like, okay, this is going to be the shortest sermon in the world. It's not. <laughs> the, our, our text begins with a name, and it's James. And James is, he, is the uh, author of this letter, and scholars have been debating for millennia over which James this is. Is it James, the son of Zebedee, the brother of John, one of the apostles? Is it James, the half-brother of Jesus? Is it this unknown James that we really don't know anything about? And through the, the authorship, and most scholars agree that it's, it's the half-brother of Jesus, and it's for a couple of reasons, and this is important. See, it's important for us to know who write, wrote the letter, in fact, that's the only reason that it makes it into the scriptures. That was one of the, the re, one of the things that when the Bible came together, it was who wrote this letter and who received this letter? Was it just some person or was it a specific person? And so um, over the years, the authorship has been assigned to the half-brother Jesus, and it, it's the tone and authority of the letter which gives tradition to the weight as James is the author. And there's second, there's similarities between the Sermon on the Mount and the teachings of Jesus, specifically the teachings of Jesus' and use of wisdom. And James gives us this insider look as a half-brother of Jesus because he grew up with Jesus. Jesus was his older brother. And how Jesus spoke impacted James and, and helped form him into the man that God created him to be. And third, it's that James was the leader of the church in Jerusalem that which we'll see that we see in Acts 15. And for our purpose for, for this series, we're sticking with tradition that it's the half-brother of Jesus as the author. And it's noteworthy to mention that that through history, um, the church <clears throat> has known James to be this great man of, of devotion. He even had a nickname. They gave nicknames to pastors back then, I guess. And his nickname was James the Just, which sounds like something from King Arthur's round table. And, and his letter is thought of this collective wisdom and this pastoral application of, of how to take God's wisdom that he gives freely to all that ask and call upon him and how to put feet and hands to it 
just like the Proverbs and the Sermon on the Mount. And since we consider James the author, we know that he also died a martyr's death in 62 AD, which helps us set the context of this letter through the lens of persecution found in in Acts 8. And and this letter is written 30 years after Jesus has, has ascended up to heaven. And James reveals this. There's no pride. There's no ego. There's no assumption and privilege in the, greeting of, in the greetings and, and, and words of this letter. There's only faithful transparent, transparency in a life that lives as a servant. A servant of God. And all the while proclaiming the Lordship in Christ as the one in whom James places his faith. And the one in whom he wants the church to place our faith. And, you know, context is important. And, and Jesus and his ministry share that his sisters and his brothers are those that know, right teaching, right? And do, right action, the will of the Father, which reorients and redefines who what, and what we consider as family as it transforms our heart. And the faith that saves is the faith that adopts us into the family of God. Think about that. The faith that saves our souls is the same faith that adopts us into the family of God. And this is that no matter the circumstances, no matter the sufferings, no matter the trials, whatever you're going through right now, you do not and never, ever do it alone. And from James establishing his identity and faith, and and he doesn't write on the coattails of his half-brother Jesus. He doesn't do any name-dropping, which would be really easy to do. Uh, He identifies his audience, and it's the 12 tribes of the dispersion. And it's worth unpacking this a little bit. Uh, The 12 tribes of of the dispersion, where the 12 12 tribes can indicate a couple of things. And and first, the the audience were, were Jewish followers of Jesus. And in the Hebrew understanding, the 12 tribes were considered the fullness of the identity of Israel. And and the 12 tribes in the Hebrew imagination are are united and found in in this new heaven and new earth of of what God is doing in the hope of the future. And and there's also this forward focus that James is speaking into. This unspeakable joy and hope that moves beyond the identification with the nation of Israel and moves into a more general sense of the greater community of all believers that are found in the new heaven and the new earth, which are founded on the teachings of the apostles. And this includes all those that are adopted by, uh, into the family of God by faith. And additionally, Christianity was, was, uh, and the followers of Jesus were still considered just a sect. It wasn't even a religion. They were just considered Jews, and it was a sect of the Jews, kind of like the, the Pharisees and, and, and the scribes. And, and although the, the audience is clearly set with a Jewish undertone, this letter is written to both those that are Jews and those that are God-fearing Gentiles. And one of the most interesting things about this letter is it's not written to those in Jerusalem. James is in Jerusalem, and he writes it to those that fled Jerusalem and are now scattered around the region of uh, Palestine and, and even in the greater region and just abroad and and they're scattered, being scattered is another way of just saying dispersion. And this was due to persecution that began the day of Stephen's stoning and when he died. The day in Acts 8, 1 through 3, 
We read, on that day, that day a severe persecution began against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout the countryside of Judea and Samaria. Devout men buried Stephen and made loud lamentation over him, but Saul was ravaging the church by entering house after house, dragging off both men and women. He committed them to prison. See, to be a follower of Christ means that that we will face persecution, we will face trials, we will face suffering because of our proclamation and faith that Jesus is God. That Jesus died on the cross to purge the world of sin, that Jesus brings salvation, that Jesus rose from death to life, that Jesus ascended to the Father, and Jesus is now ruling all over creation, is coming again. And we will suffer because we believe this is true and that our lives And we believe it is true, but there's one thing about belief. It's not really belief unless it's shown in action. And it's exhibited that we have been transformed by that belief and by our faith. And and in our hearts when we put our faith into action. And because of this faith in Christ, no matter uh, where we are or where those that are scattered and persecuted find themselves... James gives them this call, and it's a call to joy. See, in the English, when, when I was reading it to you, the last line of the first verse was, does anybody remember in the English? Greetings. James just says greetings. And, you know, for us that speak English and it's, trans, you know, it's greetings, that could be hello, salutations, and, and, and along those lines. But in the Greek, it's something different. In the Greek, it's charin, and charin means joy to you. Joy to you, even though that you are scattered among the nations, even though you are homeless, even though you are sojourners, even though you are facing unspeakable persecution, suffering, trials, remember not to be robbed of the joy given by God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That this joy may be the mindset of those believers that are scattered and and of all Christians amid the trials. And it sets the tone for the opening of this letter. And it's also for us today. Just think about, we were praying about the weather. Think about the weather that's causing devastating effects across the country. Joy to you that are facing suffering, trials, unspeakable anguish, homelessness loss, grief. Remember not to be robbed of the joy given by God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so here we have in this letter, we have a pastor that's separated from his flock and reminding them from the onset of the letter to have joy, joy to you. And then we need to consider the the issues that these recipients of this letter were facing when they read the opening sentence. Have you ever received encouragement or a note or an encouraging word in a, in a, in a season of extreme difficulty? Did ever, have you ever received a phone call or, or a text when you were at your very lowest? Hopefully all of us have. And these scattered Christians had fled Jerusalem in fear of their lives and the lives of their loved ones. These are are Jewish Christians that that fled the area that held the temple. And for those believers in that time, in that 
context at that church and that body, the temple was the center of life. To put it in our more modern terms, they left their church family and their church community and their world was completely undone and each day held unknown challenges and threats. And and, and think what it would be like to to flee today because of our faith. Not to just pack up everything like we're going to move to the next town or maybe across the country in an orderly fashion. Just escaping with the most precious valuables that we possess like those in the path of an oncoming wildfire. And when we scatter, it's not just by ones and by twos or three. It's the entire congregation. It's all of us. And certainly in a time of persecution, that it would make sense. We couldn't just travel in a pack, right? That would be too obvious, and it would draw unwanted attention. So I wonder what their last service was, what that was like. Imagine they prayed, they shared God's word, and they said goodbye. They said goodbye to friends, to family, to their neighbors. They said goodbye to their brothers and sisters in Christ. They said goodbye to the church and the church community. Many or most would, would, um, find, would be found falling into to poverty and, and needing to rely on the hospitality, hospitality of others. Imagine the faith of those first listeners and readers of this letter. See, the reality that speaks of the human condition, it's not a stretch of the imagination that some experience the death of a spouse or a parent or a child, and not from cancer or a tragic accident, but because they believed in the name of Jesus. They were hunted down. They were imprisoned. We learn that from Scripture and Acts. Not because they were breaking the law, but because they believed in the name of Jesus. You know, I was, I was thinking, in our, in our world today, in, in 2023 America, is this type of faith possible for us in our lives? How willing are we, how far are we willing to suffer for the name of Jesus and maintain our faith? Is there a line in the sand or a breaking point when we say, nope, sorry God, I've got to cross that line. I'm going to leave you on the other side. At what lengths would we go to hold firm to our convictions? reputations and character of integrity would be called into question for those scattered and and they lived in constant threat to simply survive. During persecution, no doubt, they they learned to live by looking over their shoulder and the shoulder of, of, of those that were with them because there was no guarantee of security for themselves or their families. In fact, the whole scene is reminiscent to the very life of Jesus and the apostles. Didn't Jesus say in Matthew 20, when he's speaking to, to his followers that foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And now here it seems that neither do these persecuted believers. These are our brothers and sisters, by the way, through generation through generation of faith because we are all adopted in the family of God. I look forward. I mean, that's one of the, the cool conversations I hope to have in heaven. Those first believers that were persecuted, to find out what it was like? How did they hold on to their faith? And when we proclaim Jesus as Lord, we can expect trials and suffering and loss. When we, when we leave it, live as Jesus lived, we need to remember that our home is not here. Our home is in heaven. 
Didn't Jesus send the apostles out into the region and instruct them to not go with money or bags or clothing or any necessary items and just rely on the hospitality of others? Wasn't that one of the uh, purposes of Jesus sending out his followers to proclaim the good news of God and the kingdom of heaven is near and to learn to rely on God, his provision through others? And we have the same purpose. We are to be sent by God out into the world, willing to forgo all but the bare necessities and with the expectation of trials and suffering and more like those of followers of Christ for the past 2,000 years, proclaiming the good news and that the kingdom of heaven is near, all the while relying on God and his provision through others. And amid the persecution that comes from following Christ, when our worlds are turned upside down, down, upside down, James remind us not to lose heart, but to remain faithful servants of God and to proclaim Christ as Lord. This is an incredible statement in verse 1 when we begin to really unpack it and look deep and the lessons that we have right now to apply our faith in action in our everyday life. And when I thought about this, I, I thought about James and him writing this letter and you know, as a pastor, I know at least I would. And James was a human. He had emotions. He watched his congregation disappear. He probably heard reports of some of their suffering. No doubt when he wrote this letter, I wouldn't be surprised if, if he was wiping, te wiping tears from his eyes as he wrote it. And so, a very, 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 very loose paraphrased translation um, Pastor Jason paraphrase translation, I should say. Um, a verse one could be something like this. It's James, your pastor. You are not forgotten. You who are dispersed, scattered to places and regions unknown. I have faith that God will help you receive this letter even if I can't deliver it myself. Remember who, who God is and, and who you are in God. We are his faithful servants. We are his children. Yes, we serve God no matter if we are here in Jerusalem or wherever you may be when you hear or read these words. You are God's very own, chosen by him to go out and live and proclaim your faith. The very faith that Christ gives us is that faith that gives us freedom and salvation. The faith that Jesus said would, would, he said we would be under persecution even now in our lives that you're facing every day. And because you belong to Christ, you do have a home in him. As we look forward to being with him again and being all together with him again. So don't give up. Hang in there. God has got this and God has you. And because of all of that, remember the joy that comes from a belonging to God. Joy be to you. Those that were dispersed and scattered and persecuted because of their faith in Christ became immigrants and outsiders, strangers in a new land. And as such, these opening words of James, no 
doubt brought back all the memories which occurred that led up to their persecution. Those times of fellowship. Those times of worship. Those times of celebration. The times when the church surrounded someone and the the time where someone surrounded the church. As well as the memories and, and injury inflicted through the persecution. Yet joy to you. See, one of the greatest difficulties we have living in in the freedom of this country is we have an inadequate view of suffering for our faith. We have forgotten the persecution that our brothers and sisters have faced as believers since the time of Jesus to our present. We have forgotten that our home is not in Clovis or Fresno or Sanger or Selma, Madeira, or even in the United States or of this world. We are sojourners for our citizenship is in heaven. That where we live only matters as much as who we live for and in whom we place our faith. That's how Christians have endured unspeakable evils and are still documented singing praises of joy to God to their death. Sometimes we forget because we don't face similar persecutions. But that is not to negate that we do face trials. We do face loss. We do face suffering, and we do face countless situations that tempt us to lose our faith now and become critical, apathetic, or just leave our faith behind. And in seasons when when the dark nights of our souls, we can often lose the perspective and retreat into ourselves, and we can put too heavy a focus on just studying God's Word, and then we begin to, to wield it as a weapon on those around us, and even on ourselves through guilt and shame and legalism. Or we can retreat into the world running from our faith by declaring that we have freedom and seeking self-security, and even to do good deeds as a way of appeasing that gnawing feelings of pain and suffering. Yet it's only when we endure in the midst of trials and keep that faith in Christ by seeking Him in the knowing His Scriptures and, and living it out by maintaining that servant's heart and service to God? Do we find a balanced faith that can rightly receive joy and reveal joy? Joy comes from having a right heart in the Lord. Joy to you is a call that even in the harshest times of life and trials is not a time to rejoice less. Sickness is not a time to pray less. The loss of those closest to us is not a time to love less. Instead, in our persecution, our trials, our sufferings, financial instability, joblessness, homelessness, violence around us, loss of reputation, loss of those that we love dear, and when we face the unknown and fear and anger, self-pity and confusion, it feels like our whole lives are ungrounded and out of control. The call of James is the call to all of us. Joy to you. And now is the very time to practice that joy that comes from being a follower of Jesus as a servant of God. Joy to you. Our text begins with the brother of Christ reaching out to encourage those suffering in life. And as brothers and sisters in Christ, we have the same responsibility. Our text begins with a declaration of service to God. May we do 
the same. Our text begins with a proclamation of of the Lordship of Christ. And it's, may we remember that Christ and only in Christ do we have salvation and life. And it's because of, of our faith in Christ that we can expect hardship. Our text begins with Christians experiencing persecutions, being scattered and facing the unknown. Let us be reminded that our real home is in heaven. And our text begins with a greeting of joy to you. So let us suffer alongside each other, giving and receiving joy in the name of Jesus as our Lord, our Savior, and our God. Amen? All right, so the challenge this week is, you got homework. Uh, We need everybody to read James 1, 2 through 11 to prepare for next week's message. And then have a conversation or journal or share with an accountability partner. Talk about this. Um, Think of what it would be like to flee today because of our faith. And would your faith in Christ sustain you in that circumstance. And then this week, encourage as many people as you can by just saying joy to you and however that works out. Share joy like you're spreading jam. And I guarantee through the grace of God, you will find moments of rejoicing that you hadn't seen before. And so if you're able, would you please stand to receive a blessing? You who are servants of God and our Lord Jesus Christ, you who face unknown suffering, you do not do so alone. We are united in Christ wherever we find ourselves. Your citizenship is in heaven. Therefore, church, joy to you. You are loved by God who is with you even now. Stand firm in the Lord and in his ways as we enter our communities, connect, grow, and serve. You are sent. Amen. Joy to you.